Hi, I'm Ben, your host for the next hour, and you're listening to a Virgin Startup podcast produced with the support from our friends at Virgin Money. The podcasts are recordings of our free meetups, which take place every month. Check out virginstartup.org slash events to sign up for the next one. This week, we're talking social media. We all know it's hard out there for founders to make social media work for them, which is why we've brought together experts to tell you what you need to know. All killer, no filler. I was really excited to be joined by Corey Jones from Untapped Digital, Henry Connell, co-founder of the Uncommon English Wine, and Abby Oipatan, co-founder of Liha Beauty. Here you all are. Welcome, everybody. Great to see you on this like early summer evening. We have over 100 uh, fellow founders, aspiring entrepreneurs in the house with us already tonight listening in. And uh, smashing your social media is a big topic, right? And um, it, it, that, that sort of title gives us this sense that it's, ah, yeah, we're all hammering it, we're all nailing it. And of course, we know the reality is it's hard, it's overwhelming, it feels crazy. Um, I've just been reading this book called Get Rich or Lie Trying about the, the sort of wild west of the influencer economy and all the badness in it, but entertaining, but scary. And so tonight, we really want to break through some of these kind of myths these fears that we have we are facing we have faced uh as founders um and and just share what we've we've been through so before we get into our stories and our journey i'd love you to just say hi quickly um and let us know a tool or a social media trick that you currently use that you love so people get some tips up front abby let's let's jump in with you first hi guys my name's abby i'm a co-founder of Leha beauty we're a wellness wellness beauty skincare brand um the tool I've started using for TikTok and now I use it through all the socials is InShot. It does everything. It's amazing. You can do voiceovers on it. Like you can cut and paste, you can spin things around. It's, it's really good. So that's what I would recommend for everyone. Awesome. It's called InShot. Yeah. S H O T InShot. I N Shot. Amazing. And uh, Virgin Startup team will be tagging that and dropping it in the chat. Thank you, Abby. Henry, what about yourself? Um, I guess, yeah, coming from a, a slightly different angle, I don't, I don't, don't I'm not necessarily like a, a social media guru, but what, what we found is that video content for us on Instagram is far more engaging um, and more highly engaged than some of our static stuff. Um, and we have an in-house design team. My co-founder is a, a designer. Uh, so so re- Reels, we, we, we find like a, a really good platform to get really high engagement. Fantastic. And just tell us briefly, Henry, about the how you make your video content. Are you hiring an agency? Are you doing it all on the fly yourself? What's that look like? Yeah, I guess I guess we we have the luxury of of um, I guess Alex, my co-founder, being being a designer, a, graf- a graphic designer, and also we we are, we we make our own stuff, uh, which is quite unique in the if you call it the RTD space. You know, we have our own vineyards, we have our own winery, so it's quite easy for us to nip down to a vineyard or a winery and just create some kind of ad hoc content, which is quite uh, educational, um, but also kind of talks to our, our process and our, our quality and our Englishness, some of the values that, that we want to try and kind of portray. Yeah, and it's a great example. This is a first excuse to drop uh, your Instagram links uh, into the chat. Uh, there we go. Kira's doing the work. InShot is already in there. So Reels on Instagram for Henry. And then if we share the Instagram for the Uncommon, you can start to look at those videos. 
Uh, now, Corrie, you probably have 100 tools, but what's top of the pile <laughs> at the moment for you? Um, I am a big fan of the app Motion Leap, which lets you make cinemagraphs, which is basically when you've got a still image, and like Henry was saying, video is always going to massively outperform image on social media. So you can take that still image and you can animate certain parts of it. And the app costs, I think, about £3 when I bought it. And it's kind of the equivalent of what you'd pay for on Adobe Photoshop and the Adobe Tool Suite. So that would be my recommendation for people. And what do you, um, what do you sort of things have you used this for? It's super helpful for um, if you don't have that much video content, but you want something to be moving on the feed. And we find that it, it tends to, you know, when people are scrolling and you're trying, you've got like a millisecond to get their attention, it's good for getting that kind of, second scroll because people will go past and be and think it's an image but then they see some element of it move so um we use it for for clients when we want to kind of animate bits and pieces for them okay great so we'll, we'll talk more about tools and this is sort of our latest versions but let's now rewind let's go back to when our relationships began with social media and when we started to use it for our businesses so maybe try and uh, have a think about when you first came into contact with social media, what was it? And then how did you first start using it for business? So Corey, uh, you're now running a very successful social media agency, which tell us a little bit about that as well. Um, but when did it begin for you? What was your first step into this world? I mean, if we're going way back, we're talking sort of MySpace days of, of yeah. first using social media, but in terms of business- She's older than first... she looks. <laughs> Thanks. But in terms of first using social media from a um, kind of business or organization point of view, um, I volunteered for a society at uni where I was doing all of their social media and it was very much the days of like absolutely spamming Facebook groups to try and um, get attention there and when Facebook chat and messenger wasn't even really a thing so you were sort mm. of writing back and forth on people's Facebook walls. Um, and I remember my very first job, Instagram wasn't really a thing. And I was trying to persuade the senior team that Instagram would be a really good channel for us to get behind. And they were like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's going to take off. So what, um, was, what was that? Sorry to jump in, Corey, but why, why were you, why did you think, oh, let's, were you just curious? Were you just like, what, what made you want to pursue that, explore a new platform? Uh, because that's half the challenge. Yeah, it really is. And and I think we're seeing the same thing with, you know, TikTok and, and right now and brands jumping on that. But really, for me, it was just seeing the growth and the really high engagement rate. Um, the more kind of saturated with content a channel is, the harder it is to get that organic reach. And back in, you know, 2014, 2015, when I was having those conversations in my old job, Instagram was getting a way higher engagement rate and just giving organic reach to people, whereas Facebook and Twitter and other channels were really pulling back on that organic reach. So that that was really what made me pay attention and then take it to the team and say, we should set up the account here. And, and obviously now it's flying because Instagram is massive. Mm, mm, absolutely. And tell us briefly about Untapped. What is it and uh, how does it help organizations with their social yeah, sure. So we're a social media agency based in London, but we work with clients all over and essentially companies come to us when they're feeling super overwhelmed with social, can't keep up with all the updates, um, either don't have sort of the skills in-house or the time and ability to manage social media for themselves. So we help people with creating and managing their social content, um, paid advertising campaigns and then designing social strategies as well. Okay, so it's the mix of the strategy, both technical. Uh, so it's like, what you know, what ads are we placing? Where are we going to place them? And the creative, which is like making the videos with the tools we've just talked about and the other content. Okay. Yeah, 
yeah exactly right. that. um and what sort of client what sort of stage are you working at with businesses because obviously to to bring on an agency um there's there's an investment there although it's saving you a lot of time and leaping forward in terms of impact and business but what sort of stage do people normally join you at we find that typically people have either had a some round of funding or they're at the stage of making revenue and they're looking to scale up their marketing so quite often people come to us where maybe they've worked with um as freelancers to date or they've had people doing it in-house and they're at that stage where they want agency capacity of having multiple people look at the the project so typically sort of a couple of years into starting or have, have had that funding like i said okay great um alison's just asking again what that app was that you mentioned cory the uh need to get it written it was down. motion leak i'll pop it in the chat thank you very much so abby can you take us back was it myspace or was it a little a little further along than when did you uh, it's a little further Facebook? along the myspace i tell you it's uh <laughs> when i was thinking friends unite were united anybody remember well, that? yeah and you, uh, that was a wild story wasn't it because um they charged oh. five pounds to be for a monthly membership, didn't they? To begin well, did they? I can't even remember. I must have paid it because, yeah, I was, yeah, Friends Reunited is where it started for me, um, social media. Uh, in terms of business, I used to have, um, yeah, I had to really think about um, in terms of how it started business, um, I used to have a vintage, me and my sister used to sell vintage clothes. And, um, we got on ASOS Marketplace and they really encouraged us to go on Instagram and social media. And that's how I kind of got into that. So we would like take photographs and put that on, on Instagram. And this was back in 2000 and I was still running them. So it must have been 2011, 2012. I, um, so that's how it started for me. So it was when I started Lee Hobby, it was, a, it was quite a, it was just something you should do. You should go on Instagram um uh, when was what, when was this when did when did you start start lee Hope? we started we started our first event our first kind of soft launch was at port elliott festival in 2014 okay so you went um, on to instagram in 2014 yeah we went on okay. but i say that but we didn't do very much with instagram in 2014 because we really started it was just to test the waters. And I just thought, as an afterthought, I thought we should, we just need to be on Instagram because I knew that was something that's where everybody was going to. But we wouldn't post that much because we didn't have any content. You know, it was just me and Lee. I had another job. You know, I was, it was just a kind of side hustle for us. Um, and we were really looking at wholesale. So we were really looking at having retailers rather than being the D2C business. We weren't, D2C wasn't a thing. Nobody yeah. said D2C. No. So, um, so we never thought about like really pushing that, but what happened was our retailers, we got into Liberty and we got into anthropology. They started doing kind of like the marketing for us. So they would right. take the photographs and put it on their socials. And all I would do would, I would just, we would just repost them. So it was quite, it was quite organic. It wasn't anything really thought about or anything like that. Um, and, you know, fast forward today, we pretty much, obviously we do our own content, um, but a lot of our content is from influencers or, you know, customers or from our retailers. 
Um, we're more of a, we're kind of 50-50 D to C to, um, to retail. So we get, we get a lot of traction that way. Um, but yeah, that's how it's. Wow. Started. That's a really comprehensive intro. And we'll dive into that, that kind of, especially that influencer strategy a bit later, oh, yeah. Abby. But tell us, give us an overview of Lehigh, those Lehigh Beauty, of those who haven't heard about it before. So we're a natural vegan skincare company. We say our tagline, we're African roots with a quintessentially British attitude. So we're luxury, luxury, we, create luxury products, which are accessible, but like a really cult. So we go into like um, categories where products are kind of missing um, and kind of plug that hole in. So we will, we talk about buying, buying well, buying less. We don't have a array of products. So we create, um, curate really small product line um, and just really cult products that people love and need and uh, for your wellness and feeling good. So yeah. And, and how has the how's the product and uh, the brand evolved over the last se- I mean seven years is it eight years now? About six. So we I would say we started we started and we kind of do, did a soft launch in 2014 just with two products. Yeah. Um, as I said, we had our biz we had um, uh, our other jobs, so we really came into fruition in terms of like a business business in 2018. So we used to make everything in our kitchens. So I, at weekends, <laughs> um, Leha lives in Cheltenham. I lived in Hackney. We made everything in our kitchens and we'd come together at weekends. I'd go to Cheltenham mostly because I lived in a one bedroom flat in Hackney and she had a house. So, um, so we'd make it from our kitchens when we could. Um, and then in 2019, we raised our first round of funding and we outsourced all production just pre pandemic, thank God. Um, mm. And yeah, and so, yeah, we're, as I said, during COVID, we were a totally D to C business because of COVID, and we grew massively—not uh, massively, but grew enough for us. And um, but now it's kind of balanced out, 50-50 D to C to retail. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, that's where we are now. Yeah, and it's fascinating to to see how that so many brands, especially FMCG brands, mm-hmm. um, have have like accelerated through covid in terms of d2c it's not you know obviously you still got to win the business but this is where social buying on social media channels has become a big thing which we'll talk more about henry thanks abby that's a great yeah. intro um so many more questions coming your way henry uh talking about quintessentially english brands um the uncommon um has been creating a stir uh, amongst communities that i'm part of um in and around London. So um, tell us a little bit about when you discovered or came in contact with social media for the first time and then a bit more about, about the business. Yeah, I, I guess I guess uh, I started using it back in kind of 2016, 2017, really to, to document um, my change in, in, in career. I was doing something very, very kind of boring in, in New York and I moved back to London and started retraining in cool climate viticulture and enology, which is basically grape growing and, and, uh, and winemaking. And just started using Instagram as a tool to, to give people an insight into, into kind of my day-to-day life, which I thought was um, not necessarily like inspirational for people, but, but just to show people that they, that they don't necessarily have to sit in an office for 30 years, that they can uh, take a risk, and it is, and it is a risk. Uh, luckily, I had a, a very supportive um, wife uh, who was willing to take that risk with me. But um, yeah, I just thought it would be a nice, a nice way to, to to give people an insight into what it would take to to build a brand from from literally nothing, like not knowing anything about grapes, wine, or or brand, in something completely different. Um, 
so it was, it was very much it was just a, a very organic uh, a very kind of transparent very kind of authentic way to to show uh, the, the handful of followers that we had at the time um what 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 i was doing and what it would take to to, to build a brand and it's been you know six seven years um and an outsider looking in would say that you know twelve thousand followers isn't isn't a huge amount compared to some brands that have that have far far more but we haven't really spent any any money um and our engagement's really high um but yeah, it's 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 really to to give people a uh, uh, an insight into 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 our production process and 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 our winemaking really. And it's something that I you know I love about well about your brands, but also in general. I talk, Corey, we've spoken about this a lot. Is that the behind the scenes of the startup journey? It's not right for everyone, is it, to to do it? But when you do it authentically, like you obviously have been doing, Henry. Um, people love it and you just create this niche, you know, for people who are interested in this, like, oh, someone's changed career and is like into trying to make English wine a success and doing it, and, you know, that whole journey. I, you know, I'm drinking a dash can here now and those guys have done the same thing with yeah. their wonky wonky uh, fruits in their sparkling waters and they started, I was with them when they started and they were like, right, off we go, we're going to go and source our first ones and we'll put it on, we'll put it on our Instagram and it wasn't polished at all and it was great and it built the following. Um, yeah. So tell us where the uncommon is today as a business, uh, what your core products are, and how it's going. Yes, yeah, so, so we, we have we have so, so we started off with with about uh, uh, five five acres of, of land. Uh, we now have um, you know twenty plus hectares. We start with ten thousand units, which we sold with Selfridges. We're now in Selfridges, Fortnum's, M and S, Waitrose, you know, Virgin Atlantic. Um, uh, and oh yeah, of- I saw the Virgin Atlantic announcement. That's big. Oh, upper class, yeah, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah, it's cool. So it's like a uh, like a bespoke wine tasting, an uncommon wine tasting experience at thirty five thousand feet, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but we make we make uh, English wines uh, uh, and um, some new spritzers. Um, but only now, like we, we we started with me and Alex. We now have a team of of, of eight, uh, including like comms and PR and we have in-house kind of like social media we've kind of brought that stuff stuff in-house um, but only now we're really starting to, to to learn about the power of social media and now we're setting aside significant investment um, to really grow our social media and to drive kind of sales on 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 uh, uh, through our website and when you say you're re- only realizing now the power of it what, what do you mean I mean that there was so much we didn't know, and, and and our priority was we want to get this stuff that we think that is amazing on on people's lips, and there's only so far like a picture can take you. So so our priority before before the lockdown was getting liquid on lips, doing samplings at Selfridges at Fortnum's, like walking around, handing samples to people. It was very much like please try this liquid and look at the brands, because I th- think. Once that happens, it's it's a much easier sell-in. So yeah, you're confident um, in your product, right? Yeah, confident in the product. Um, but but now we're coupling that with with um, you know a, a, a social media strategy um, with with paid uh, as well as kind of influence activity. Uh, some really cool activations. We're doing kind of an activation a week throughout the, the spring and summer, um, and hoping it all comes together. All, 
nicely and cohesively. Well, you already, I know you already have, uh, like Lee Hub Beauty, there's a lot of people with brand crushes on, on the Uncommon, including Chloe here from Virgin Style, who loves the rosé. Um, do you have the? Do you have any can, those cans behind you? Can you show those who've never seen it? Can you show us what they look like in the uh, semi-flesh? You see... Oh, cool. Yeah, so, so a, 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 a Pinot Noir rosé, which has kind of grown in, in, in Hampshire and, and Kent. And then we have a, a Bacchus Chardonnay blend, which we have uh, used from, um, yeah, again, again, Kent, but also some, some grapes from Surrey. But it's, yes, yeah, so it's, it's, all, it's all very local. Um, we understand that the world doesn't need another wine, but we try and make the best possible English wine with the, with, with the, least, with the least impact. Fantastic. Yeah, and we can, we'll talk about impact and purpose and how we tell our stories through social in a little while. Um, so you mentioned strategy, Corey. There's, yeah. there's a hundred or so people here. We're like, how do I put together a social media strategy? Abby and Henry figured it out and are, are doing brilliantly. <laughs> no, you are, have. Prepared. I would say so we have. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're doing well. You're doing well with it, even though it's not easy. But what's um, if we're starting from scratch today? Like we've got a we're 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 a bunch of friends. We've got an idea. Um, what do, where do we start? Do we pick a channel? Do we go, right, where's our audience? Do we use hashtags? Do we start with ads? What, where do we start? So the way that we advise starting, we, we talk about this a lot with clients, actually, and we've got like a very detailed framework, but I'll try and sum it up quickly. The um, first step is, is always going to be your goals. Like all your social media activity needs to map back to whatever that goal is. And um, it shouldn't be that, we're, we're just going to use this channel because that's what everyone's doing. Think more strategically about what's the aim of social. Is it kind of top of funnel? You just want to raise awareness and therefore you want to get a lot of page views and organic reach. Or is it, um, you know, lower down the funnel, you want to get a lot of sales and convert people and get traffic to the website where maybe you need to look at using paid advertising. So that would be first. Then second, I'd look at channels. So knowing what that goal is, think about who your audience is, where they're spending time online, which channels you can show up on that they are using anyway and they'll want to consume content from you in that space. Um, and then thinking about, that kind of leads on to thinking about the type of content that you'd post there. And I think as startups, we need to be realistic about the content we can create because there's mm. no sense in saying, okay, our audience would love if we do a daily vlog on YouTube and then actually you get a week into that and you realise this is the biggest time drain and it's not bringing us back the returns we need so or i'm gonna so, launch my business with a podcast so you're like oh, yeah wow, that's exactly. a full-time job yeah exactly <laughs> like it's always more work than you think it will be yeah so be realistic with content um and then the the final part of strategy there would be thinking about you know you don't just want it to be a one-way broadcast of content you want to create that community so thinking about where you can grow how people can discover you um who you can kind of collaborate with, where you can do, you know, live videos or competitions and stuff to get the word out there. And then finally measurement, because if you're not looking at what's working and what's not working, again, you're going to be spending time on the wrong things. But if each month you're seeing what content brought us in, what results, then at least, you know, you're, you're always doing the right things and spending your time wisely. Brilliant. So there's loads there, Corey, which people will be playing back. to But um on the metrics, because there are vanity metrics in social media, and then there are metrics that matter. So how do you, is there a core bunch of metrics that everyone should be paying attention to? Or is it, say, for example, on Instagram, is it just about likes? Is on reels just about plays? 
Is it about number of comments? Is it about number of shares, bookmarks? Um, or none of that matters. It's just about how many convert to be customers. What do we pay attention to? I mean, for me, we're always quite keen that social media isn't just this sort of silo and we never want to help a client in the sense of like, we got you a lot of likes and followers this month. The bigger impact and where you're going to see an actual return from social is going to be things like, um, you know, traffic through to the site and then sales and conversions. So mm -hmm. I, I'd look at, at those in greater detail rather than just thinking we've got, you know, a few new followers this month. Um, in terms of seeing what content's working well, obviously there that's looking at things like what got the reach and um, comments and sentiment of comments as well, I think are, are more important than just likes and followers. Yeah, it's the, it's the whole picture, isn't it? And it, for when you're working with clients who are going, right, I've got this strategy, but actually, and you're helping, which is fantastic, but it feels like already it feels too much. How do you, what's your advice to people about like staying focused and being lean? And like, we're, we're talking about two great startups here tonight with Abby and Henry who, who have, you know, been through that already. And it's like, now they're like, right, how do we take it to the next level? But when you're really at the start, how do you decide, should I go away and make video or should I um, just repost things? And, and, you know, what, what, in terms of the creative and the content side, how do you figure that out? Yeah, I was having a, a chat about this with a client yesterday, actually, who um, has so much content that she can share and talk about and that she's an expert in. And, and it's very much like, okay, how can we stick to this one stream of, of doing what you're good at? I think put yourself in your audience's shoes and think of what content they're going to enjoy the most so that you can go for that con uh, quality over quantity. Um, and doing things that really kind of just hammer into people like even just three key brand messages that you want people to remember for those couple of months it's not that all those ideas you have aren't great to do later and you can keep like maybe on trello or notion or somewhere anytime you have a social media idea write it down on there so it doesn't get completely lost but that might be something to revisit in you know six months or a year when you've got a bit more resource to spend on it yeah exactly fantastic i want to come back to you Corey, with maybe a couple of case studies for people to check out or favorite clients of yours um in a minute or two but abby tell us about the some of this like the customer profile stuff or the personas that, that cory just mentioned how have you figured out or have evolved uh, at lehigh beauty to work out exactly who your perfect persona customer is and where they are on social channels and then reach them i wouldn't say we've figured it out <laughs> i i would say when we first started our personas were us. We right. started the business because of ourselves. And to be quite, to be honest, it wasn't that we thought it was going to be good. This may, you know, this, the business it's, it's become, but it's, it's certainly evolved into something else in terms of personas. Um, we have, I think we have like five personas um, in terms, yeah. Um, customer personas who we try and reach. We've got the Afropolitan, we've got the yummy mummy, um, we've got what's the, the first one sorry afropolitan afropolitan tell us more so afropolitan tend to be american african-american black yeah. um, women and men yeah. who are who are high you know they you know got income you know they they um make a fair bit of money they like to spend their money they want to kind of they they want to kind of reach they, they love stuff about Africa, but aren't quite sure 
where you know where to go and they resonate with us because we talk about you know Nigeria and Africa we educate mm. them about that we talk about our products where it comes from you know like our shea butters come from Nigeria and Ghana and they love that and they want to kind of feel like they're part of that kind of African experience. Mm. So they're like, and they, you know, they they want luxury as well. So rather than buy Leha Oasis, rather buy than buying Chanel, they'll buy Leha. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's uh, strong identity. They wanna, yeah, they want to they want to yeah. support a black-owned brand who yeah. has that kind of luxury element to it. So that's one of our personas, and we speak to them with our socials by talking about Africa, by talking about how our products are made and things like that. Um, and talking about our history um, being Nigerian and things like that. And they, and it resonates with them. So um, yeah, so yeah, so those are, that's one of our personas. So that's how, and we reach that with, yeah, as I said, in our socials and we talk about things like that. Talk about being yummy mummies who, either live in London, like urban cities like London, New York, or, um, or they live in, or they, migrated to Cheltenham like where Leha lives she lives in Bolton on the water and they want to talk they want to feel still feel part of that kind of Hackney kind of new I love this idea of the great migration from Hackney to to Cheltenham to Bolton on the water in Cheltenham well, it like, feels like a great migration to me because I would never go there but yeah no but it's true right it's a big it's a big lifestyle life change it's a life change but they still want to be that kind of feel the buzz of London while I feel they're still in it right Right. And they're, um, so those, <laughs> that, yeah, I'm talking, yeah, so those are kind of our personas. And, you know, we talk to them about, because we're both, me and Lee are both mums, and we talk yeah. about that, and we talk about different aspects of living in Cheltenham, living in Hackney, and things like that. So we have different personas, and we reach them by, you know, speaking to them in different ways in our socials. And the does it, So does that mean that you have, so they are very different personas, the two you've just they're described? Not, they're, they're not different personas, they can interchange. So okay. they could be like, you know... Somebody who lives in Brooklyn, she's moved from she's moved to upstate New York, or she's moved to like, I don't know, well, <laughs> but she still wants, and she's an Afropolitan, and she still yeah. wants to feel into. So it is in, interconnected. We've so got the, the content heart. works for for all of them, and it yeah. works, and it and sometimes we just just speak to the yummy mummies and talk about that kind of content, and we you know that in our socials and our Instagram, our newsletters, yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic. And we're going to come on to influencers next. But Henry, tell us a little bit about the personas of the of Uncommon Wines. We've got Gene uh, is asking, wines in cans? This is surprising and intriguing idea. Does it taste the same as a glass bottle? Which I'm sure is a very common question for the Uncommon. But how do you figure out who your who your people are? And then how have you found them on online? Yeah, so, so I, I guess um, we 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 never really came into this with a with a target market per se. I guess it was probably you know twenty five to forty, probably female skewed. Um, but I think our audience is is much more kind of akin to a US audience. Um, I guess I kind of I saw it in America, California, Oregon, Washington. People would grab a can, go down to the beach, go surfing, go hiking, go cycling. Um, whereas our old world mentality is that we, we, we feel like we have to have a, a, a corkscrew at hand at, at any point in time. So, um, yeah, I think our persona is is um, is very much the, the, the open minded. We also didn't come from the wine industry, so we're not institutionalized by uh, wine language or, or wine talk, which can be very confusing and technical and a little. I don't want to say the W word, but I'm not going to say it on 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 uh, a, little, a little whiny. <laughs> 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 
Um, but 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 we now know about wine. But we now know. But we know what it's like to not know about wine, and we want to educate people on like really good local English sparkling wine. Um, that comes in a can because uh, we believe it's the best format for our, our wines, which are young and aromatic. Um, they also happen to be to be more sustainable. But um, yeah, we just try and which we, 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 and and we found that kind of it's, it's not it's not necessarily like a, a younger demographic that's going to music festivals. It's also those people that want to stay at home and have a nice glass of fizz, you know, watching Strictly, um, but don't want to drink a whole bottle or or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And then that's translated very simply. Have you just stuck at Instagram or have you tried other channels? Uh, we uh, Instagram. Um, I, I would say like uh, we, we, we probably should try other channels. I mean, P Pinterest was 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 on our list for this year, uh, being a very visual brand. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, t t t TikTok, we, we've kind of, yeah, I feel like yeah, we need to get involved in, in, in TikTok, but I, I find it quite daunting and, and we haven't got the, the time or the resources. So we're focusing on on Instagram, putting some some paid media um, kind of behind kind of Facebook and Instagram. Uh, also, lots of influencer activities. I think you can access a huge amount of kind of um, uh, qualified audience through through like minded uh, people. Um, Pinterest, perhaps. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, mainly mainly Instagram. Nice. Now we've got a few questions coming in, uh, which all around like what what happens when you're trying to get momentum or maybe you're getting stuck with engagement. So Colette summarizes it quite well here, Corey. How do you start and grow your audience, especially on Instagram? I get the same handful of people every time and I only got three hundred only got three hundred followers. Like in like olden days, we we're like three hundred. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, and then get te reach 10% of them with each post. So if we feel like we're stagnating at times on our socials, what's what do we need to change? What's What do we do in that moment? So I, I think about the kind of content you can produce that gets in front of new people, which if we're thinking about Instagram specifically is mainly reels right now. Reels have huge organic reach that will be shown to new people if you're posting. Because um, Instagram is the algorithms prioritizing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and anytime, you know, if, if like tomorrow Instagram introduce a new feature, they'll start pushing that one because they're always going to prioritize the new features they put out. Like, um, do you remember sort of start of the pandemic when live video was such a thing and you'd log on to Instagram and it would just be absolutely yeah. full of people doing live videos because it, it's, you know, new and, and Instagram's going to push it. So, yeah, look out for new features and use them as well and test them because if you get on them early, then Instagram's going to prioritise that content. Um, mm. Collaboration content is a really good way to go on Instagram right now as well. So if you do some work with an influencer or you do you know, some kind of link up with another brand, you could put a post out that's going to appear on your feed, but also on their feed, and it will come yes. up on both audiences' news feeds. So this so is where we see com um, competitions going on, right? So people yeah. say, right, we'll team up with other complementary startup brands, and we'll, we'll all give away something, and then we'll reach a much bigger audience as a result. Yeah, exactly. If you can find another brand that's got the same audience that you're trying to attract and vice versa, then yeah, it's a win-win for everyone. Nice, nice. Um, and so let's talk about these influencers, um, because like the perception maybe for many of us is that, like, oh, you need lots of money. And two, they're just like egotistical people who are just going to be like doing lots of and you know there's another story in the news today of an influencer festival that's gone pear-shaped i don't think it's quite fire festival levels but revolver festival which i hope 
the uncommon wasn't sponsoring in, um, yeah. I hope not. No. in california this week but apparently no. it was chaotic and they prioritized all the uh selling sunset cast on all the and everyone else got left yeah. behind so there's a lot of angry influences out there but uh abby you mentioned you work with uh, these so-called influencers um tell us about that how does it work and what is it what's the impact been um, so I mentioned we work with influencers. We we don't pay them or anything. It literally is just reaching out to influencers and DMing them. For the DM. love of the brand. Yeah, DMing them and asking them if they want some products. Are hey, we, Tori, <laughs> this, is, this is the way to do it. And that's it. Um, <laughs> we're, we're testing that on TikTok at the moment. And it's TikTok has got this thing where it's called Creative Tools or something, okay. where you can access... Um, um, their emails, you can email them directly. I find it hard to use because it's, I can't, we can't find the kind of, the kind of um, influence that resonate with our brand. So what I, what we've tended to do now, I've been doing it is literally going on anybody's TikTok that I like and just commenting and saying, would they want some product? And, and then, and then I'll, we'll put in our email address and they'll email us, email us. And some of them actually on their bios have an email address and you email them and they'll I've we've had so a, hang on are you in order just to break this down Abby are you literally searching through what a hashtag on TikTok saying uh sheer butter or what what are no, you, what no, are you just, how are you finding just, them I'm just this literally on your for you page if something comes up and I think it looks good comment and just say if you want some products you want some products okay. um I've, I've we've got like a, a but like a little um you know, a lot of script we've got. We just put it on their thing, and yes or no. Nice. And there's no like we you've got to guarantee this. Much no. So time, in blah, blah. so if they have like if we email them on the bottom, our email will say that you. It's just there's no there's you don't have to post if you don't like the products. Yeah. What products would you like to try? And that's and that's it. Um, and that's what we do on Instagram as well. And yeah, and it seems to work. I really like this approach because it's it's about it's about the quality of the product. It's it's simple. You're not there's no sort yeah. of like structured contracts. No, yeah, there isn't. Yeah, we the rest of it. because of what happened last year with the iOS changes, and we don't have a huge budget on Facebook. We've never paid. We've done like Facebook ads and things of Instagram, Facebook ads. Um, and we've, you know, the most we've ever spent is a thousand pounds. And it, and since iOS changes, it hasn't converted. Mm. And so we stopped doing any kind of ads in January. Um, so now we're looking at TikTok. We've just started on TikTok in the last couple of months, just figuring out what works. Um, because you know instagram it just doesn't there's no engagement there reels is fine sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't um so it's just looking at what you can do organically that you don't have to pay for because unless you have a huge budget um our facebook ads guy was telling us okay so your facebook and instagram ads are struggling for engagement but you're getting traction through the organic and on tiktok yeah exactly and so there's no point you don't we don't have a huge budget like for facebook ads and so it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't pay it doesn't the the ROAS isn't working so we just don't stop you doing it so we're looking at maybe tiktok ads and pinterest is something we've looked at um, they've done something like um, stories, um, Instagram mm-hmm. stories, um, and we've just recently got onto that a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, it's 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 like yeah, and it seems to be working better than Instagram. <laughs> so, and it, it's as I'm listening to you, Abby, it seems like your mindset and attitude towards 
using socials to to market and build your audience and community is fairly ex, you know it's experimental it's like um let's see what happens you're not going right this has to work or like i feel overwhelmed just like oh i'm curious let's try that yeah i love it i do it so it's what i enjoy doing i like to figure things out i want to crack this tiktok <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to crack TikTok. I want to crack TikTok. I'm obsessed with cracking it. And so I want to figure out what works. And yeah, I feel like TikTok is a place where you can tell stories that don't have to look plush. Like our, you know, our, our Instagram is very like well put together, well curated. TikTok is like, you know, this is how I made a I made a whip. You know, I this is what I did today. Do you know what I <laughs> You know what I mean? It's all about education, educating your um the the people watching. It's not. It's we're not. You know, we're not doing massive numbers on it or anything. But I'm as I said, I want to crack it, and so that's what we're doing. And Pinterest is something I'm playing around with at the moment and seeing what works. And and, and Henry, I'm going to come to you shortly. Talk about influencers and and wine. But uh, Corey, on TikTok, what's the what should we be doing? Who should be on it? What's working? Any any nice um accounts that you'd love us to check out uh i mean one account that i love which is is niche for what i do but it's um mr robert mayhew and he does all these sketches of what it's like running an agency so he uses the green screen effect a lot and he'll do like a really fancy office and he'll take the mickey of like when a client turns up to an office and and they're like oh wow cool ping pong table or, mm. and uh, like all this stuff that clients would never say to agency owners so he's grown massively like mainly through humor and very relatable humor that it's niche because mainly if you work in an agency or you're an agency owner you're going to find it funny but there's still so many of those people out there so he's managed to grow a lot within that audience um he also does stand-up comedy which i think helps a lot with the the delivery and, and making the sketches really funny in terms of what's working um experimentation like abby was saying is, is like the way to go really um the clients that we're working on tiktok with you see some videos just like massively take off and it's um it can sometimes be the ones that were sort of the quicker edits and more authentic feeling um we see anything that really mentions sort of numbers or particularly money in the cover photo tends to do better than um headlines or subject lines that that don't mention that and just data points yeah, like mentioning okay. data. So, if, like, for example, if if you were saying, um, you know, what brand made um, 5K a month versus just, like, talking more vaguely, um, including the data always helps, I think, in, in cover photos because people like stuff that's got numbers and money in it. Um, and posting a lot, like, three to four times a day to test what's working in the sort of first month. Three to four of, times of a day? It. Wow. yeah that's what we've been doing to hack it for clients but that is a lot of content right so you need yeah. to like dedicate time to that yeah but you're seeing some results there that's interesting yeah. it reminds me when you say that when you whether you and I learned this when I was doing journalism but actually the content always falls under like three or four categories in terms of engaging people so it's entertainment and that can be a, you know you mentioned uh uh Robert Mayhew right so it's a good example uh shock so we obviously all the extremes we see online is around shock, um, which isn't necessarily the tactic we want to use in our startups, but it does get attention um, and then education slash inspiration. So those are the kind of core categories, right, which are going to get engagement. So um, 
Over at The Uncommon, uh, who are your influencers you're working with? Is Stephen Fry on board or are you more, uh, you know, who, who, who would be, if you could pick one person in the world to like turn up online drinking a can of Uncommon, who would it be? Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, we, 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 we would kind of, we've got a couple of challenges uh, here. Um, I guess we, we were the first people to bring canned wine to, to the UK in, in 2016. People have never heard about English wine. It's still a very marginal uh, um, uh, wine region. Uh, people didn't realize you could get good quality product in Cannes. Um, so it's really like building trust. And I feel like we've used a lot of wine wine writers um, and influencers that, I guess, kind of in Abby's space, kind of not, not the, the yummy mummy space, but kind of the, the, the young mums that kind of want a break from the day um, to um, to really kind of uh, justify um, the, the the product and give it credibility. Um, so, so so wine writers um, uh, we 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 work with um, and we we give them product and they they write very nice things about us in 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 kind of the national press. Mm. Um, but also kind of more more approachable. Um, more approachable kind of yeah, yeah micro type influencers and, and and sometimes we might we, we might pay people um only because we're at a stage now where uh, content creation gets very expensive um so if we can if we can pay an influencer uh, a certain amount of money we can dictate um the content we get back we can use that content for uh for ads um we can use that content on organic we can use it for newsletters we can use it as 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 kind of more um, uh, more kind of accessible media. Um, so we've we found some influencers to be to be really useful. Uh, we've we, we've paid some um, that have 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 been in massively expensive and 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 not hugely um, uh, not hugely uh, successful. Give, give us a, give, tell us who we shouldn't pay. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I mean, Rihanna. Rihanna was a big shout for a startup to, uh, you know. But 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 some of the mistakes we made was we're not not, not necessarily looking at. I mean, we have a very metropolitan metropolitan audience. Uh, it's female skewed. Some of the influencers we use had a seventy percent audience that was based in in the US, um, uh, or they're outside of our, our our kind of target demographic, and that that just wasn't a smart a smart decision. So we're very much focusing on engagement rates. Uh, uh, and how these people talk to the audience that we're trying to tap into. Yeah. Yeah. And the great thing about both your brands is they're so visual that, and uh, I know you can't get the smell of the sheer butter over across. Well, not yet on social media, <laughs> but at least you can get people there and drinking and, and using the products. Um, so Corey, how do we go about like, and this is kind of where I want to look beyond our customers. Now we've got a few more minutes and we've got a few more questions coming in. So we're going to hammer through them. Um, so the power of social media as you've used it to grow your business or, or the impact, the purpose of your business, because you run very purposeful businesses. So not just about getting customers or engagement and so on. How has social media helped you uh, with other goals? Has it helped you with stock risk, with partners, getting certifications like B Corp, getting new clients, Corey? You know, um, where else has social media been an asset to you or has actually been a distraction or a, a problem? Corey? The first few years of running the business, I think I, I definitely found it a distraction um, because I felt very much that, you know, if we needed to be using it all the time as a social media agency to kind of show the power of it. And then the more we worked with clients that we could actually use as case studies, I kind of stopped feeling like that. But the way that I, I'd say I found it most helpful is 
that you know being a, a founder of a business is quite a lonely thing to do if you don't mm. know that many other people who are doing it so mm. there's so many amazing online communities that you can be part of or even just you know following other business founders and seeing them post the stories that it's been a really hard day and you're like oh yeah me too like hard days happen I, I think um where people can be quite honest and authentic about how the business journey is going that's where social is so great to follow along on stories obviously there's the flip side of people posting you know how much money they've made and and all the like amazing stuff that's happening but if you can take it with a pinch of salt and be like okay well they've had a great day today but I'm sure yesterday was rubbish then um I think that's where I found it really useful on sort of a a personal level yeah and you've been really good at this is you know following untapped digital because actually making a social media agencies stand out on social media people like why haven't they got a million followers it's sort of like I'm not going to use them but actually what you've done really well is shared your own ups and downs and journey um and uh and what you've been up to like I'm off here to talk about this and then you're constantly like here are some tips here are some tips so if you want regular social tips including how (laughs) to deal with all these changing algorithms that people keep asking about here uh follow follow Corey and untapped um Abby and Henry, what about like the how social media has helped you? Abby, do your has it helped you with stockists and partners, retail partners? Yeah, I think so. I think the first port of call for retailers is Instagram. It's like it's before even, your website. Before your website, um, yeah. we've had so we've been very fortunate. We've never paid for like PR or anything. It's just you know from stockists to um, you know mag being in Vogue or being in whatever on. On this morning, it's nothing that we've done because we can't afford it. It's it's just something I think because our products, are, like you mentioned, are very visual and we're able to bring it to life. And Instagram has been such a great help and a tool for us. I think retailers are looking for something different, something they don't have in their kind of in their store on their website. And so it's um, and we and it looks amazing and it is and the products are amazing. It makes it so much easier for us. Um, mm. So yeah, I think it's been great for retailers and um, and just PR. Yeah, it's been amazing for us. And and then Henry, for for the uncommon, the B Corp journey is that has that been something you shared a lot on social? Yeah, yeah, it has. Uh, and that was that, that was a cool a cool thing with kind of the, the first wine brand in the UK to get B Corp status. And then we we kind of knew that we were doing the right things because we. We're part of Sustainable Wines of Great Britain. Like we knew about wastewater management and yield management and uh, how to recycle packaging and how to not use anything nasty. Um, but it was very much a validation of, of what we were doing. And it also gives you like a very nice framework for improvement and it also introduced you to lots of kind of cool brands. Like we, like we did a load of stuff with, um, it, was, it was B Corp month last month and we got introduced to loads of, loads of cool brands that are doing similar sort of things. Um, so I think people think that because we're in a can, therefore we're sustainable, therefore we get B Corp status, but it's so much bigger than that. Um, it's all about locality and how you manage your land, how you make your wine, how you look after kind of stuff post, post-consumption, your community, your workers and things. Um, I, yeah, I, I couldn't recommend it more, more highly. And it's, and it's just an amazing, an amazing community of people. And I think when we're all on these... Uh, journeys of building purposeful and impactful startups that have so many elements to them. This is where social media can really help because you can break yeah. down the story, you can update at different stages. It's not like a one-off printed brochure or a, a polished website or a product package where you've got limited 
sort of real estate to do to do the selling and the storytelling. Um, yes. So a couple of questions to wrap up. Um, so Amy asks, Amy says, a friend works with Spicy Moustache. I don't know if you worked on this one, Corey, which grew to 1.2 million followers on TikTok with gardening tips. There you go, to put us back in our places. Uh, he started during lockdown. Oh, my God, this is getting worse. Apparently going live after you post helps. Oh, okay, so apparently going live, so going from posting to doing an Instagram live, uh, making sure uh, you're responding to comments immediately helps. Any tips for putting yourself out there on video without feeling self-conscious? It's not easy filming yourself. Um, and content creation takes ages. How do you manage it successfully? Um, Corey, do you want to pick that one up from Amy? Yeah, sure. Um, the first thing I'd say about filming yourself on video content is like just start and do it. Start filming, and you're never going to love it the first time. Um, but you know, when it gets sort of the fifth or sixth time that you're maybe doing that take, you'll feel hopefully mildly fine with watching yourself back and. Also, when people see you on video, they're not thinking like, oh, my hair looks weird. Or, you know, then they're, they're just focusing on what you're saying and the message that's coming across. So you'll be most conscious of anything that you're worried about. Um, you can also do things like, you know, there's uh, websites you can use that if you've got a script for your video, which I would really recommend because if you're feeling self-conscious about it, if you've got some sort of um, script or guideline for what you're saying, that can really help. And you can get... Um, sort of uh, transcription sites that are going to sh show you that like a news reader would see when they're presenting the news um so yeah ha just have a play and and know that it's not going to be perfect first time but the more you practice the hopefully the less self-conscious you'll feel and then you know beyond this uh, the practice and the habits and all of that how have we all felt when it's like this you mentioned up front about this idea of like over committing to saying we're going to post on YouTube every day or write a blog every week or whatever, because then you're like, no one else cares about that, right? But you suddenly made this commitment. Um, how do you manage like that, the overwhelm side um, of social media when you're just one, it's just like, I mean, you as users of social media, we feel it, right? Um, how do you manage that yourselves personally and as a team? Abby, what's your sort of approach to it when it's like, it's getting too much, but we've got to keep going because our customers and our competitors and our business and blah, blah, blah. So we don't have a list of like, amazing social media strategy. There's only three of us. Um, and we, we've got commercial direct and there's Lehigh and, and myself. Um, so we do as much as we can. I think we've got to a point where we kind of know when we're going to post and we kind of do a weekly thing. Um, we don't feel compelled to post if we don't want to. I think people can see, I think, you know, your followers can see when it doesn't come naturally to you. To, and we don't we don't do lives, which is something that we were, we did say at the beginning of the year, we're going to do um, not so much lives on Instagram or um, TikTok, more on our website. So there's this tool where you can, so it's bringing people off like these external sites onto your platform. Um, we've done it once. <laughs> we haven't done it again. So they come to your platform and, you know, you talk about your products. We're doing something next Tuesday, but it's with somebody else's platform. And it's like talking about our products on there. So it's collaboration. They do lives on their website. And it's, and it's almost for us to get into a practice of doing it. And they do it every day. We're not going to do every day because we don't have that many products and we don't have anything to talk about that much. So it's something we want to do like two or two, um, two times a month or something. And it's just talking about where we are, our products, and it's bringing people onto our site rather than these external sites. Um, yeah. 
I love this. It's so it's so reassuring for everyone who's going, oh, no, I need to do a huge strategy and stuff. It's like you no. really lean to well, enjoy it. Well, you do, but you don't have the time or the capacity. No, no, but that's 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 how you've made it work for you and, and your business, which is fantastic to hear. It's really good. Um, Henry, how do you deal with it when you feel like, oh, another platform or I'm like, I've got so much to go on. Why do I have to do this as well? How do you cope with it all? I guess our, our, our year is quite formulaic. Like we know when harvest is, we know when winemaking is, we know when we launch our products. So, so we, so we actually kind of know. We have a, a social media calendar that, that that we're working on, like six months in advance. So we know what we're posting in kind of October, November, um, and that's only because it's it's not it's not prescribed and manicured content. It is just content. That we know, like we know, we're going to be picking grapes in October. So, so, so that's kind of our, our couple of weeks. So we know we've got an activation in Comic Garden in a couple of weeks. So that's get some influencers down and create content. Then, so we we actually do kind of know what we're doing uh, almost week by week from now until the end of the year. Um, but that's taken a lot of work and kind of six years of 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 bringing a team on and understanding how to create content, how to optimize content through time and. Um, uh, and yeah, and try and drive engagement. Yeah, I love that. Nature's seasons drive your social media strategy. That's that's good. Can't alter those. Um, yeah. And Corey, finally, what's you know, if we strip it all back, you know, we've got lots of people, lots of questions here around like, what, where do I start? What's my strategy? Which we talked about up front. But if you're going to say, right, if you've got a couple of hours a week or ten minutes a day to do this, where do we? How should we spend our time with social media? I would, if you've got a couple of hours, um, I would think of like four or five content pillars. So stuff that you want to post about. And within that, think of the common FAQs that you get or use a site like Answer the Public where you can see what the Google searches are for your audience okay. and then create content around that. So like purely just focus on content that looks good, is helpful to people, answers their questions and start posting that and, and see where you go from there. I love that using FAQs for your startup as a way of building content for your social media channels. And then and then of course you can repeat it, right? Not spam, but you can say, Oh well, eighteen we've done this at Rebel Book Club. We found like memes that we created probably back with you, Corey, uh, <laughs> when we were working on it together. Um, that worked well 18 months ago. We've just reposted around book reading habits and so on. And and it's great, it works really well. So you don't have to go and recreate all that content and make it all again. Um it's been so good to have this conversation uh, with the three of you and the 150 of you who've been joining us over the last hour. Thank you so much. It's it's a it's a one of the main comments coming through is people like uh, it's so much and like where do I start? But there's lots of people now saying thank you for the feedback and for the tips and also the attitude towards it, which is really important to hear and, and see that you all bring to it, not as gurus or experts. Corey aside because you're helping people every day with their strategies but just just building it passionately for your business um so looking forward to seeing henry dancing on tiktok uh with rihanna at glastonbury on account of the uncommon um and lovely to reconnect abby uh and hear it's about been. the success of leha and Corey as always it's amazing to see Corey was on stage in front of three thousand people the other day i know that that was a big deal for you talking about social media tips um, so well done for keeping going and doing uncomfortable things. Um, we are now going to go to a chat room, uh, a couple of chat rooms, actually. You can see them on the left-hand side here. So they're called sessions. If you go to this one and just come and come and jump on, have a chat with me 
or the Virgin Startup team talk about loans, mentorship, all the things that Virgin Startup do brilliantly. Um, or come and share what you're working on, because I'd love to hear about it and make, make some connections. But to Henry, Abby, and Corey, thank you so much. Thank for your you, time no this evening. And uh, keep building your brilliant brands, and um, we'll be sharing them lots more with everyone. Take no care, guys. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you found it useful, please share it with other founders and rate and review it online. For tickets to our next meetup, head to virginstartup.org. I look forward to seeing you there.